Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1 877 590 KLBJ. Hey, good morning. Man, I just can't stand this wind. I don't know what it is about wind, it just bugs me. Uh, but yeah, we got some wind today, folks, and I'm batting down the hatches. I'm Cheryl McLaughlin. This is the Austin Gardener, and we're here to talk about your your yard or whatever plants you want to talk about, what you can be doing this time of year. Um, and if y'all want to join the show, you can call or text 512 and we also have a toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. So again, 512-836-0590, call or text. Um, boy, I want to double down on the don't use weed and feed thing. Uh, I, I have seen my own parents kill two great big trees uh, with weed and feed. They were ash trees, and they just, they thought more is better. And they went back and forth around their yard, and both those trees died because they're heavy surface feeders. And the thing about weed and feed is it, it is the wrong thing for our area. First of all, it is a pre-emergent, so it doesn't affect plants that are already up and growing, right? It's supposed to be uh, keeping seeds from germinating. And the other thing it's supposedly doing is fertilizing, and it's way too early to fertilize uh, lawns. And like Jeff was saying, it all it does is just soak your yard with chemicals. Um, and it, it just doesn't do what it – it's not meant for our area, really, and it just doesn't do a good thing for you. So, again, that is really, uh, I just got to emphasize. And you'll see the ads. They'll start having ads for it here and there. And you know, big old stacks of it at the big box stores. And, oh, yeah, use this. It's good. It is just not. It's poison. We fertilize later in the spring around here, uh, typically April. And we only use organic time-release fertilizers, and they are great, and you can't hurt anything with them. So look for those, folks, because it is just uh, – we have got to stop soaking our soils with chemicals. We're, we're killing everything, pesticides too. Okay, 512-836-0590. Let's, uh, we got a couple of texts here. Um, okay, we have a globe willow that was hit pretty hard by the recent freezes the past few years, and it's struggling to recover. It now has mushrooms slash fungus growing on parts of it. Are those parts dead? I would think so, but you know what you got to do is give it some time. Our native willows are one of the first things that leaf out in the spring. Um, this could just be a surface issue, but uh, again, most willows don't do well here, like weeping willows. Um, 
they're they're rarely successful here. Uh, but we do have native willows, the Salix nigra, and it grows along the creeks and what have you, and it will leaf out pretty early in the spring. So you might just want to give this thing time to see if it'll leaf out. But typically when you have fungal growth jutting out of the bark of a tree, it's not a good thing. And you're never going to go wrong by getting a certified arborist out there to look at this. And there's a bunch of good ones. So you might, if this is a really important tree for you, uh, you may want to get some help and get somebody to look at it for you. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not looking great, I'll be honest with you. Okay, let's go to the next text uh, here. Uh, windy days are when ghosts profess their loneliness. Cliff. Oh, thank you, Cliff. Now I'm even more freaked out. <laughs> I don't know why the wind bothers me. You can ask my kid. I She will tell you, Mom hates the wind. Uh, you know, probably because I got long hair and it whips all around and smacks me in the eyes. So that might be one of it. I'll just put in a, a you know, a scrunchie. Okay, 512-836-0590. We have our caller on line, so let's uh, let's head out to Driftwood. Hello, Bo. How you doing? Hey, Bo, are you there? Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. You weren't quite potted up yet. How's it going? Okay. Good, <laughs> good, Carol. Got a question. Um, is now a good time to put out the Indian blanket seeds and the black-eyed Susans? Yeah, you could go ahead and put them out. Um, they'll germinate a little bit later on, but um, you could do it pretty much any time this month. I might err towards you know, later in the month just in case, but it's not going to hurt those seeds because, you know, they're out there laying around in the wild all over the place. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I I picked these off of, um, I got the seeds from just, you know, wild flowers out in this uh, empty lot. Mm -hmm. And they're in that kind of like a little round bud. Do I need to break that down or just throw the whole thing out there? Well, you could do it either way, but if you break it down, you'll see that there's, you know, tons of seeds in those little bundles, yeah. so, sort uh-huh. of. So you could just walk along and sort of crush it with your fingers as you go, you know, and sort of strew them about. Okay. That might be All a right. good way to do it. Okay. And I was thinking I was going to put them out before this next round of rain next week. Is that a good plan or should I wait after the rain? No, you could probably put them in right before that rain comes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think today would be a good day to do it just because it's so windy and you, (laughs) you know, and you want to get good seed soil contact. You don't want your seeds blowing out in the street. Right. Yeah. Okay, Cheryl. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling KLBJ today. Yeah, that's that's a good point because a lot of these spring wildflowers can be planted uh, right here at the end of winter. And you want to get good seed soil contact. Uh, if you know you can't just go out there and throw handfuls of seed and hope for the best, you got to really, you know, rough the soil up. Get you know some bare patches of soil or you know some patches in between your other plants, and 
uh, lay your seed down very shallow, very shallow. Um, and so you can use a rake to rough it up, make you some little, you know, rough spots. Put your seeds down there, turn the rake over backwards and kind of lightly rake some soil over it and pat it down. Uh, you can water them in with a very gentle spray nozzle of water, just lightly water them in. Um, and you should be good to go. You know, assuming you have good germination rate, and that's always different from year to year. So if you're buying seed, uh, at, he collected his, but if you're buying seed, you want to be sure and look at the germination rate on the tag. All commercially sold seed has to have a germination rate uh, listed on there. So you know, be sure and look for that because if it's only got a 12% germination rate, well, that's not good. Um, and there's going to be – I'll tell you, wildflowers can be hard to come by uh, because of the drought last year. Uh, some of the big seed suppliers are really um, unable – were unable to collect their seed, um, and they were forecasting very short supplies on some things just because of that drought. So, But, you know, wildflower seeds, they can be good for a long time. So if – uh, if you find some seeds at the Ladybird Johnson Wildflower Center, your favorite nursery, they're probably fine because they were collected, uh, you know, when the plants were healthy and produce, had enough water to produce seed and what have you. But um, I know my daughter was going to do a big seed planting at this um, conservancy that she runs, and she always uses Native American seed, and the, but the conditions were not right for planting this year. They couldn't prepare the areas like they were supposed to. And so she was uh, able to go ahead and buy seed to hold until the next opportunity when they could really prepare for it. So uh, she bought the last of a lot of the native grass seeds and what have you that they had. So, okay, let's get that first break over with them. We'll come back and um address a couple of these texts that have come in we'll be right back welcome to the austin gardener with cheryl mclaughlin on news radio klbj 590 am and 99.7 fm okay we are back again this is the austin gardener i love the date it's 2424 <laughs> Um, okay, we're going to go back to some text, but if y'all want to join the show, you can call or text 512-836-0590, or you can use that toll-free line, uh, which is 877-590-5525. Um, let's see here. Re um, Bermuda Lawns. Should we treat the POA outbreaks or just let it die out? You know, I think just let it die out. Uh, I didn't even know what POA was until this came up. I guess it was probably last year. Um, but it is just a winter grass that will go away when it gets hot. So I wouldn't do it. I would just, you know, not let it go to seed. Maybe you could go ahead and mow it, uh, weed eat it down or something. But uh, I, I don't think... There's much you can do about it. Once it's up and growing, you would have to use an herbicide, and I just don't see the point. I don't think it's hurting anything. So that's just me. Um, okay, do you know the name of this plant? I enjoy your show. Thanks, Cheryl. 
I do not know the name of this plant. It's interesting looking. It looks like groupings of upside-down bell-shaped flowers with a, a kind of the same leaves as maybe, I don't know, maybe a Pride of Barbados. Maybe it's a red Pride of Barbados, but it sure is stumping me. Um, and remember, there's that great app called Picture This, and I'm sure there's many others. Uh, other people have suggested other apps to me uh, to identify plants, and I think there's a way to Google image it or something like that. So I, I just don't know. I, I know a lot about my natives, but I don't know a lot, lot, lot about these non-native plants. So I'm sorry. I wish I could have identified that for you for sure. It's definitely pricking, you know, something in my brain, but sometimes these pricks take weeks to come. To fruition, let's go to the phone lines. Hello. Hey, Lisa. How's it going? Hello, Lisa. Are you Hello. there? Hello. Hello. Uh, sorry. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask a question about when was the right time to prune. Right now, my garden is filled with all the dead branches from big shrubs. I mean, some are as tall as 10 feet tall. Goodness. Um, then I have lots of bushes uh, that are perennials. And I have plants that are from bulbs and rhizomes. And so, you know, they're a very ugly sight right now. But I was worried that if I cut them now, cut them back now, it's too early because they're predicting there's going to be a big freeze at the end of February. So well, should I wait until uh, it's really spring and just suffer with all these branches? No, not for the dormant plants. It's perfectly fine to go ahead and cut back all that uh, brown branchy stuff the the thing we wait till later on is our evergreens because if we hit those evergreens now we cut them hard they're going to try to bust back out with new growth and then we get that hard late freeze yeah that was what i was thinking yeah. might happen so don't do your evergreens yet but you can do all that other old ugly brownie stuff Okay, well, thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for calling KLBJ today. Good luck with that. Um, let's see here. Uh, 512-836-0590 is the call or text number. Let's go to our next text. Um, I was going to ask similar question as previous caller. Recently, TxDOT graded our right-of-way left an ugly bear area. I wanted to overseed with wildflowers and wondered what you would advise. Uh, the perfect moisture right now, so I'm hopeful it will be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, let's hope they didn't seed it with Bermuda because that's what they like to do or they lay down that barrier of uh, that, you know, that clothy-looking stuff that has seeds in it and it's always Bermuda. Yeah, anything, the only things that won't uh, do well now would be Blue bonnets by seed, uh, Indian paintbrush by seed, and flocks by seed. Um, those would want to be planted in the fall. Uh, but all of our other spring and summer blooming wildflowers, you can plant those uh, and, you know, get what you can at, uh, you know, at the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center, your local nurseries. Uh, order it from Wild Seed Farms or Native American Seed, um, one of those places, if they have them. You know what I mean? It's, like I said, last year was 
not a great year. However, wildflower seeds can last a very long time. So just because they were not, you know, gathered exactly this past year doesn't mean they're not going to be any good. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Um, this is a great example of a simplistic view on the wind. Or we could just chalk it up to climate change. <laughs> yeah. That's what we always like to chalk everything up to, right? Uh, let's see. I love Native American seeds. I'm ordering some today. And Google Lens. That must be the uh, what you use to identify stuff. Google Lens. I have to look that up. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's oh oh when somebody sent me a picture, cute picture of winter hollyhocks before the freeze. I guess they might not look that good now, huh? Might be having a problem with it. Okay, five one two eight three six zero five ninety. One more text. I am writing regarding cutting down dormant perennials. I'm leaving mine up until spring so that the insects have a place to shelter. Absolutely. Uh, and also, if you'll notice, a lot of perennials, like most of the salvias and many other plants, if you look down in the very core of the plant, you will see new growth. Um, this is very typical of, of salvia gregii, for instance, which is evergreen. Um, and so that's why I don't like to whack it until the end of February because it'll bounce right back out. But when you do go to cut your salvias, look down in the middle at the base of the plant and see if there's new growth down there. Because if there is, you want to leave that. And the point is, Leaving the stalks of perennials and the, the older growth can help protect that new core growth. So that's one of the reasons why people do like to leave them up. And as she said, it provides uh, habitat, right, for insects. Same with leaves. I leave all my leaves. And, uh, you know, I see people all over the place getting their leaves all raked up and hauled off. And I'm just thinking what, you know, could have overwintered under those leaves had they just let them go, you know, left them there for a while. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> just everybody has a different way of doing things. Um, here is a list of the things that you wouldn't think, but that you can direct seed right now, this week, this day. Um, you can do asparagus, beets, broccoli, Cabbage, carrots, cauliflower, Swiss chard, collards, kohlrabi, lettuce, mustard. You can put out onion in plants, parsley, English peas. Kevin loved English peas. Of course, he was from Missouri. And they do better up there. Typically here, it's just a real early spring, cool weather thing because then they tend to burn up after that. Um, also, you can direct seed radish, spinach, and turnips. So there is a lot that starts going on right now. Uh, so 
I got this this list from my Texas Organic Vegetable Gardening book. You can also get this information um, on your AgriLife website, so A-G-R-I, Life, whatever county you're in. Just Google that, and it'll come up with uh, – you know, a page when you select horticulture, I mean, there'll be a, a whole bunch of options on there. But if you get horticulture, then you get a selection of, you know, everything from vegetables to perennials to just what what have you. And then you can just follow those links and you get the right selections and the right timing, like what to plant when. It's a really good planting chart on there. Um all right, 512-836-0590. From John in LaGrange, here's a text. I'm needing to repot a very pot-bound split-leaf philodendron. How do I go about this? It has many babies. Um, Well, you probably, if if it's real big, I don't see, you know, you didn't send me a picture of it, so I don't really know. Um, But definitely what you want to do is let it dry out. You don't want it sopping wet when you try to repot it. You want it to kind of dry out. You want to lay the pot on its side and maybe roll the pot. Now, I'm assuming it's in a plastic pot. See, I need a little bit more info here. Um, Obviously, if it's in a ceramic pot, you can't roll it. But if it's in a plastic pot, you can kind of roll it to loosen uh, the roots away from the side of the pot. And then you tip the pot and slowly slide it out of that pot. Um, and you may need help with this if it's, um, you know, if it's real heavy or real big. Uh, that that's maybe a you know at least a two-man operation you got going on there. And then have your new pot ready. You want it to be obviously bigger than your old pot, but not ten times bigger. Or else all it'll do is just work on its roots for a few years and not do anything on the top. Um, But that is what I, that's kind of what I would do, right? Uh, It's in a ceramic pot. Do I need to separate the babies? Um, That can be dicey on the philodendrons. Uh, What you want to make sure is that those, you have to dig around a little bit and make sure those babies have their own little root system going on and they're not just suckering up from the mother plant right because typically that's they'll spread uh out by those the root you know how those roots come out of a philodendron and then the little sprouts will come up but then they have to kind of develop their own little roots if they do have their own little roots then you make a sharp cut between the mother plant and the baby to separate them, but you don't necessarily need to separate them. Uh, if you can attach uh, or s- put them all in the larger pot, that would work too. All right, let's do the news. We'll be back. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back. Um, I just want to finish out my thoughts on the split leaf uh, philodendron. I have one that's really old. It's really big. Um, and he was talking about separating the babies. Well, if you just leave those, 
to grow, assuming you can keep it together and put it in a larger pot, uh, eventually those will grow up and form new stalks. And sometimes the old stock, like my main stock died, um, I think probably, I'm trying to remember if it was a drought or a freeze that killed the main stock, but the all the little uh, shoots, the babies were still alive, and they're all growing up now. Um, so, yeah, that's what will happen if you just leave them alone. Uh, okay, 512-836-0590. This is the call or text number. And we also have the toll-free line if y'all need it, which is 877-590-5525. Uh, here's another text. Would crimson clover be okay to seed? Now, I just remembered I bought a bag. It's not real fresh, but possibly still viable. If so, would you know days to germinate? Um, that is not now is not the time to plant it. It's planted in the fall. It's a winter cover crop here. Um, but it's uh, if you lived in a colder climate, you could do it now. But here, it's it would have needed to be up and blooming over the winter, and then the the crimson clover would be going to seed in I don't know April probably. Um, and then you could let it, if it reseed, it might come back next year. But no, I wouldn't waste it now. Um, you could try it again next fall and just, you know, see if it works then. <clears throat> Let's see here. Good morning, Grandma Cheryl. Can a cat urinating near my rose bush affect it? Enjoy birthday. Huh. Uh... It's not going to hurt the the rose bush. It just make it smell, make it smell like a boxwood. Basically, <laughs> I can't stand the smell of boxwood. It, it smells like cat urine. I mean, have y'all noticed that? I mean, my my best girlfriend has a hedge of it on either side of her front door, and it, if it wasn't so healthy, I think I'd try to talk her into cutting it all down, which I have suggested before. But when you walk up to their front door. You just it, you just get this sort of overwhelming uh, smell of, uh, you know, cat pee. Uh, let's see here. Good morning. Hi, it's Hannah and Ellie. Is it true that mushrooms connect to trees to give them water in return for water? I do not know the answer to that. Um, that is a good question, actually. I have never been asked that question before. Does anybody know if that's the case? I'm not a mushroom expert at all. So they connect to trees to give... Oh, in return for sugar, she says. They connect to uh, give them water in return for sugar. I don't know. Does anybody know the answer to that? I wish I did know that. That's very interesting. Uh, wow. Somebody sent me a picture, and it says it is a 45-year-old Chefalera. Wowzer. That is really, really pretty. Very nice. Interesting. 
45 years old. I know. I don't – one of my grandmothers was a nut about indoor plants, tropical plant, anything she could uh, grow. Uh, the other grandmother was the organic vegetable gardener, and she – I never – she had one house plant. It was a Norfolk pine, uh, and it did live for years. But when my grandmother that did the indoor plants um, – I've told you the story before about how one of my jobs was to uh, dip uh, a little rag into milky water and wash the pothos ivy leaves with that. Um, I don't know what happened to all her plants. Uh, they moved from their big old Victorian house that they lived in while I was growing up. They eventually moved to a you know standard neighborhood brick house. And she had some plants there, but nothing like what she had at the Victorian house. Uh, and I just don't know what happened to all those plants. I wasn't old enough to take a big interest in, you know, taking them over. So maybe they were just given away to friends. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Sandanqua viburnum smells like a dirty vacuum cleaner. Y'all are so creative. That is hysterical. Yeah, not all plants smell great, right? I was just raging on boxwoods, but um, anyway, it, it, some plants don't have a great smell, right? And it's funny because some plants smell good to some people and, and horrible to other people. You know, we're all different, right? Uh, let's see here. Uh, David Attenborough, Wild Isles documentary. We think you would enjoy it. Love your show. Yeah, I pretty much like anything he does. That's, that's a, yeah, I'll look for that. That's nice. Okay, here's another text that says, I know that lichens have a mutualistic relationship with trees, but never heard that being true for fungus. Yeah, so we still don't know about that. And, you know, again, the request was to know if um, mushrooms connect to trees to give them sh water in return for sugar or vice versa. Give them sugar in return for water. Do not know about that and we're still wondering if anybody out there does know that so um and then she goes on to say uh the david attenborough documentary talks about it oh well there you go yeah that's that's what we can learn from that well then well does he give you a definite answer though that's that's unclear um Almond verbena smells wonderful to me. Boy, does it ever. It is one of the most wonderful smells in the world. Do you know what my favorite smell smelling plant is? Uh, the sweet olive. Sweet olive. It's an evergreen shrub. It is the most wonderful smell in the world. Um, and I have planted them. I've not had the best luck with them, but I've had clients that had a whole a big old hedge of them that smelled amazing right by their front door. Uh, that's when I first noticed it. Of course, another great smell would be star jasmine 
Um, I wish gardenias did better here because that's another one of my favorite smells in the whole wide world. Um, and, of course, you can't beat a mountain laurel. Uh, that is a lovely smell to me. And, by the way, just a reminder, do not prune your mountain laurels in the winter and the late spring or you will cut off all those bloom spikes and don't let your idiot landscape maintenance company because most of those guys don't i mean really don't know what they're doing all they know is you can you can get out there with weed eaters and blowers and hedgers and just cut everything back into little shapes and oh drives me crazy but inevitably they'll shape up your mountain laurel and cut up all the cut off all the bloom spikes if you let them so you got to be on top of those people and tell them not to you know you got to know when to do what i'm going to get a sweet olive i i hope you do because they're lovely all right let's get that last break out of the way we'll be back right after this Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back. <clears throat> if y'all want to join the show, you can uh, call or text 512-836-0590. And again, we have a toll-free line if you need that, and that is 877-590-5525. Okay, here's another text, and it says, Can you identify this plant? I need to replace some overgrown boxwoods and might consider this. These are growing at the School for the Blind on 45th. Enjoy your show. Thanks. Uh, This looks like dwarf yopon to me. Um, You know, I'd need a real, real close-up, but it it looks exactly like dwarf yopon, and that is just a bulletproof... uh, you know, evergreen shrub. It doesn't do anything too interesting, but it's a good backbone plant. Uh, it'll work in the sun. It'll work in the shade. So dwarf yopon, I believe, is what I'm looking at here. And they look a lot like a dwarf boxwood, right? So, but you know boxwood because y'all have some. And otherwise, yeah, the leaves are a little bit different. And it doesn't, dwarf yopon doesn't smell like cat urine, so. Okay, here. Um, bee brush. I have a wild area behind my house. It looks like a fairy tale. Smells better than almond verbena, in my opinion. Heavenly and easy out here, west of Austin, an hour away. You know, bee brush is a lovely smelling plant. Um, I do love that. You know what else smells really good is kidney wood. And you cannot underestimate the smell of a white mist flower. In my area where I live, right on the edge of a, a big undeveloped woodsy area, when the white mist flower is blooming, it scents the whole area. It is such a lovely scent. But yes, bee brush smells great. And again, kidney wood smells great. You'll be able to find kidney wood, but I don't know if you'll be able to find bee brush. I don't know if anybody is um, actually growing it. Uh, so that's, you know, maybe some s- seeds you could get or something and start some. Okay, let's see here. 
what growing conditions are needed for sweet olive. The, the house that I saw, it was like on Cat Mountain somewhere. I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was off a of, off of Mesa in that area because um, I had to go down to the, to the house. It was below street level. And it was in full western exposure. And it was planted like a hedge, trimmed up like a hedge up against the house. I didn't know what it was. Um, I had never seen it before. You know, I had to figure out what it was, or maybe they told me. I can't remember. It's been so many years ago. Uh, but I would just say, like any evergreen shrub, probably not real well adapted to shallow, rocky soils, if I had to guess. Um, I think I would, if you're going to grow it in a container, you know, just a really good potting soil with some compost mixed in it would be the way to go. And I, but I do think it would do anywhere from full sun to uh, partial shade. That particular planting was morning shade and full blasting afternoon sun, which very few things will tolerate, y'all. That's just like about the opposite of what most stuff likes. But it was doing good. Probably getting irrigated within an inch of its life, if I had to guess. Um, Star Jasmine bought, potted, and bloomed once. Next year, nada. It was suggested to move it to more sunlight. Did that to full morning, midday sun, and afternoon shade. Still has never bloomed again. Placed near open windward side windows for the fragrance. But no blooms after the first time. What's wrong? Okay, I can just give you my best guess. But when a plant doesn't bloom, you it's got it, you know the right sunlight because it'll grow in the shade. But it does better with some sun. If it's got the sun, then there's usually two reasons why it'll. If it looks really good vegetatively speaking. Uh, but it's not blooming, it could be that it's overwatered because a plant that's getting way more water than it wants will just put out lots and lots and lots of leaves and doesn't even feel obligated to bloom a lot of time. Or there's too much nitrogen getting to it somehow. So you don't want to fertilize with a high nitrogen fertilizer. Uh, they don't really need much in the way of fertilizers. But you might try this spring putting down some time-release organic fertilizer that's meant for um, flowering plants because there's some of it that's just meant for, like, yards and stuff uh, and evergreens. But if you have blooming plants, you want to make sure you get something that does have uh, a bloom, uh, you know, something that will encourage blooms, which would be the middle number. So check on that. Or you can, you can always get like has to grow um, fertilizer. That's really good. Um, Medina makes some really good ones. But make sure it's for flowering plants. So a lot of times this will happen. When you have a plant like that, it's right on the edge of your, your grass. And y'all are putting, you know, nitrogen fertilizer on your grass. Then, it, again, what you would see is lush vegetative growth and no blooms. So that's about all I know to tell you. Um, let's see here. Did you say we can still plant blue bonnet seeds? No, I did not say that. You cannot do that now. 
Um, but you know what you can do? You can buy little four-inch pots of blue bonnets and stick them out all over your house, your yard, and let them grow up and bloom and then leave them till they the seed drops because they're annuals. Um, but no, blue bonnet seeds, we, we would be planting them in like October so that they can form a rosette and then they winter over as a rosette in the yard. Um, let's see. Which side of a house would be hotter on average, the south side or the west side? <sighs> Both of them would be very hot, but I would imagine direct west would be the hottest. My house faces uh, the front door is east and the back is west. And it's really south, to be honest with you, I think southeast, southwest. But I get that blasting, blasting western uh, sun on the back of my house. Um, so that's probably probably either one of those would be good and hot. Uh, let's see here. A mushroom is just simply a fruiting body of a fungus that's just trying to reproduce by spores. And it depends on what type of tree it is. Now this is back to the do the mushrooms help the trees and vice versa. So that's something interesting to read up on. Okay, we only have a few minutes left to go, but there's still time if you want to uh, call or text 512-836-0590. Um, I wanted to just address something really quick. So a friend of mine was telling me uh, a couple days ago that their yard is just completely terrible. Uh, between the drought and the freezes, uh, things have died. The yard's just about dead. And... They're not really gardeners, you know, so they've lived in this house a good long time. Um, and so I was saying to them, look, this is the time to rethink the, you know, the landscaping. Uh, the kids are pretty much in college and grown and out of the house for the most part. They don't need a little a patch to run in anymore. The dog's only in the backyard, and this is the front yard. So... I would encourage any of you because I know if this is their scenario, it is a lot of y'all's scenario as well. Um, the time to rethink your landscape when it's all messed up and you know you got to do something with it. Look at over closely and decide how many areas that you could convert from grass, which doesn't do a thing for anybody unless it's just a, a cool green place for the kids to play otherwise it's not really useful to insects and birds and butterflies uh the turf grass now native grasses are i would really highly recommend that you convert to large areas of native plants and they don't have to have you don't have to have a plant every square inch you can have things like a trailing lantanas uh bush lantanas native grasses salvias out the wazoo um you know there are so many good natives and you can find most of all of them in growgreen.org or many of them that you could have a wonderful habitat um 
you know, with just a, a little thought. So minimize the grass and convert areas to just mulched beds of native plants. You will have so many birds and butterflies, you won't believe it. Um, of course, you got to know what works in the sun, what works in the shade. Uh, and again, that's something you can find out from Grow Green. Uh, here's another last text. Should I plant banana seeds I got from for Christmas? I live in Austin. Why not? I don't know a thing about planting banana seeds. Um, but, you know, I'm big for experimenting. All right, that's it for me. See you all next Sunday at 10. Have a good one.